This is Paul Schneiderman today on the 103rd edition of Sports Untold on Rainier Avenue Radio. My uh, podcast, Sports Untold, is now on YouTube and some other outlets. I have as my special guest today former Major League Baseball star, a Seattle native, Bill North. Bill played about for about 11 years in the Major Leagues. He has a uh, a couple World Series rings from those Oakland A's teams. And I'm. it's very honored to have Bill come back on a second time my show. Bill was last on in 2017. And today I am joined as my co-host with my, one of my oldest friends, Ben Coyne. Ben is a Seattle native, now a school teacher. Ben was a star baseball player at Roosevelt High School. And he also coached baseball. And Ben is a guy who just absolutely loves baseball. He's one of the most ardent baseball fans I know. And I got a quick story for you guys. Um, I mentioned this to, to Bill briefly the other night. So I, I went to a Husky football game with Ben a couple years ago. We're walking in the Last Shy Blue Water, the center of the universe, um, after the game to have a little food, a, little, a couple drinks. And Ben, I think, said hello to Bill for maybe five seconds. And Ben was like, darn, I would have loved to have talked baseball with Bill North. Well, I ran to Bill the other night at the center of the universe, the Last Shy Blue Water again, and I thought, I would love to have Ben co-host this interview with me because Ben didn't have a chance to talk to Bill a couple years ago, but we're going to do it today. So I appreciate both you guys coming great. on Sports yeah. Untold. <laughs> That's great. Yeah. Good. Happy Good. to be here. It's an honor. We're just going to have a potpourri of questions for you, Bill. We're, ben has some bunch of questions. I have a bunch of questions. <clears throat> so uh, we got you in the hot seat for, for a great conversation. Ben, I want you to start with your first question to uh, former Major League Baseball star Bill North. You bet. So yeah, I'm really excited to be here. Um, just I've never had an opportunity, obviously, to chat with a, 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 a big league ball player. So to sit here and throw <laughs> some questions at you is pretty exciting. When Paul asked me the other day, Bill, I just started just writing down all these random, just kind of hopefully entertaining <laughs> questions. So my first question to you, I always love hearing stories about the big leaguer when they found out they got the call to the show um could you tell us where you were you know how give us that whole story and um you know what was what was that all about well uh i signed in 69 and in uh 1971 when they expanded the roster they called me to the big leagues i had been Pretty good ball player in the minor leagues. Let everyone stolen bases and hit pretty well. I batted third. And uh, uh, I had a manager named Derosha. And and I don't know whether you remember him or not, but uh, I went to the big leagues in September of '71. Uh, stayed in the big league September of 72, except for when they uh, sent me back to the minor leagues because I wasn't playing in that. But that's a whole nother story. We'd be here an hour on that one. <laughs> but uh, when I first, my first day to the ballpark, I'd stayed at the executive in downtown Chicago. And I was supposed to be there at 1030. Well, about 8.45, 9, 9 o'clock, I was at the ballpark. And when I came in, I went to do, you know Wrigley Field. The home team comes in from uh, left field. 
and just left field right there. I walked out that door and came into the field and walked to center field. The only ones in the stands were uh, the people getting ballpark ready for that day. And I looked up, I went to center field, and I looked up and I said, so this is the big leagues. So good. It's all me. <laughs> and, and that's not uh, uh, egotistical as much as I never thought I wouldn't play in the big league. But when you look look back at the path and what that whole thing was, it was, I mean, out of college, I was supposed to be one of the first five picks in the country. Until they found out I had a white girlfriend and was president of the Black Student Union. I got drafted in the 12th round, 243rd player pick, but I was in, in the big leagues in the, the time it one of those first five would have been. And so, and you know, I just, I, I see you shaking your head in that, but it, hey man, some of those things make you what you are. And, and, and I've, I've grown to be not mad at anybody and I ain't got no evil in me. Okay. And, and, but it's all a blessing from the Lord. Praise you. Yeah. Was do do you remember, long? um, once you got there and you're in this big league ballpark, was there a time when it's like, oh, there, I don't know, is it Billy Williams or Ernie Banks or Harry Carey or you saw someone's like, holy smokes, I am, this is it. This is the real thing. You know, I already knew. You already knew. Uh, yeah, you know, because of, uh, I, had, I, I had been around him yeah. in spring training and that kind of thing. Billy Williams was my mentor. Uh, uh, and I played with four Hall of Famers, and they played collectively over 83 years. Wow. And never set foot in the World Series. Billy Williams, Ron Santo, Ernie Banks, Ferguson Jenkins, excuse me. Uh, my nose is going. <laughs> but, and, and, yeah, you know, good and great people, great people. And uh, uh, one of my best friends is Dusty Baker. He had Hank Aaron. And you, you look at uh, uh, Gary Maddox and Gary Matthews. They have Willie Mays and McCovey. I mean, and that's as mentors. Those are what. Can I tell you a real quick story? Please. Please. When I was in the minor leagues, uh, there was this guy, uh, uh, I think it was double A ball. And I was in the minor leagues. There's this guy that was rehabbing from the St. Louis Cardinals. And he pitched in them. Uh, 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 text me. And when he came down, his name was Bob Gibson. <laughs> and he was just out there getting ready. I mean, you know, he's going rehab. And we wore his ass 
Okay. Well, I'm in the big leagues now. I'm getting ready to bat against Bob Gibson. Billy, I told Billy, I said, Billy, he's pitching too fast. I'm going to step out and slow him down. Billy told me, you better get your, excuse my language, people. We're all good. You better get, get your ass in there and in that batter's box, and you better stay in there. And don't do that little thing you do when you dig in there against him. Oh. <laughs> Here it is, this rookie uh, uh, talking about he's going to slow Bob Gibson down. He said next pitch would hit you in the neck. And he'd been throwing at you for the rest of your career. <laughs> I thought that, and that was really, really cool. But I, they had to slow me down a little bit. <laughs> yeah. Well, let Bob Gibson rest in peace. He was a phenomenal player. This is uh, Paul Schneider in the 103rd edition of Sports Untold with my great co-host today, my old friend Ben Coyne with uh, former Major League Baseball star Bill North. Bill, <laughs> we're just going to move around on different subjects today. Um, I just want to get your take. I think Ben does as well in the 2020. 2021 Atlanta Braves World Championship team. Boy, the team did not get over 500 until early August. Uh, give us your take on the Braves winning it all this year. Well, it's who's hot and who's not. They won. And my, it was my partner, my best friend, Law. And, but in the World Series, World Series, the most, uh, 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 the hardest part of uh, uh, and the intricate part is the playoffs. I mean, when when we and when I played, we had to play against the Baltimore Orioles. And that's the toughest thing I ever did in my career. Play against them. Uh, uh, as far as competition, but uh, World Series is different because you don't know those guys. Okay, I mean, you see, you've probably seen them in baseball and stuff. So it's a little looser and uh, and not quite as tight as as the playoffs. And uh, uh, because, but we studied that. But as far as this goes right here, say that I don't see two teams came the World Series. One of them had to go home a champion, <laughs> and Atlanta Braves. And in the year Hank Aaron died, it, it's poignant to me. Uh, uh, and, but here's, you know, I won the Houston. I'm, and this is hard talking about Atlanta win, <laughs> you know, because uh, you'll never find a better man than Dusty Baker. Yeah. He, he's your clo- is he your closest friend in baseball, Bill, Dusty Baker? Do you know how you you talk about best friends? I don't categorize that. I got some best friends. I've known him from 1969. We met on Arizona State uh, uh, campus. I won't tell you the story, but but we met at a friend's room, and uh, we've been cool ever since. We've been the exact same ever since. And you know, and he, yeah, I uh, I talked to him once, two, once or twice a week, and and you know, 
he is a one in a lifetime person to know. And Mr. Baker was the one. Mr. Baker and I was just a friend, but he used to uh uh be on my back day in and day out and what a great man. You know, you can see what Dusty is and he came from his dad. And and this went from the Atlanta Braves winning the World Series to Dusty's daddy. <laughs> <laughs> but that uh uh yeah. I think Atlanta, you never adulterate a world champion because of the fact they're the last one standing. Um, to become a world champion, there are a lot of things that have to go right during the season. You know, and and it's it's I have I have no except for one. Uh 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 Team, I respect all all world champions. One team came into Oakland in 1974, and said, and they and we had we went to uh, Dodger Stadium first from Baltimore, and they called me the paper boy because wherever we, I I, I was a, a constant paper reading newspaper. Uh, everywhere I get every paper that was there, and I picked up one at the airport when we come in uh, to uh, to Los Angeles. I started reading. There was an article in, there and the Dodgers was popping up. They uh, said there was only one player on our team that could even start in their lineup. Boom. And, and some other stuff, but I read this. I said, hey, boys, check this out. I read this to the team. And we just flew back from Baltimore. We're just laying back and on the bus. There's so much stuff, stuff that happens on the bus ride from the airport. Uh, uh, and Dick Green said, Dick Green was a second baseman that couldn't run, he couldn't hit, he couldn't throw. And that's enough. But he could play. <laughs> and there were more times than one when I, because he bat at night, and I'm a leadoff in the on deck circle. And he, he hit a ball one time in center field at Anaheim Stadium that Bobby Valentine went back to catch and he stuck his leg in the in that fence and broke his leg and he was never the wow. same after. But Dick Green said, man, I didn't even give up about this world series. But we gonna kick their butts. <laughs> and five games later, we sent them home. And when they left, they said the best team lost. That's this. <laughs> ben, get a question in. Yeah, yeah, those trophies sitting right behind you too, Bill. There's that's some proof for you, you know. Um, all right. So one of the questions I always le- wanted to ask uh, a big league ball player was was, and I've watched a gazillion games, and I'm always thinking about what hitters hitters approach 
what was your what was your approach? Were you like a you know a fastball first ball fastball guy? Did you guess what was what was your how? I know the situation manages it, but generally speaking, you're leading off a game. What was your approach? Well, I, I when they made me a leadoff hitter, I was young. And and that year, I didn't get to play too much in 72. As a matter of fact, it cost me rookie of the year in the American League because I had 16 too many at-bats. But uh, uh, your job, and, and you know, I'm kind of an analytical and 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 I I I knew what a leadoff hitter was. And my when I first step step in, you know, every now and then, you know, my job is to get to first base, no matter how. <laughs> okay. And in that right there, they had made me a switch hitter when I got to the big leagues in Chicago, okay? But when I started playing in my career, I started analyzing uh, uh, what my job was. My job as a leadoff hitter is to get on base anyhow you can and get in the scoring position without giving up enough. And I, I did that, I did that at a 365, three, 370 pace. And, and, you know, and then, and I had a friend of mine ask me the other day, this lady, she said, did you ever steal home? And I said, you know what? No. Because all you need to do, and and I learned this at second base, I get in the, get in the second base scoring position any way you can, but if you steal third base, which I did often, uh, you better run it at 95%. Because I got Reggie Jackson, Sal Bando, Joe Rudy, uh, all them guys hitting by. Now all I need to do is be on third base when Reggie Jackson's hitting as a, a left-handed hitter at steal base, steal home base, and, and get called out. Didn't have to go back to the dugout and talk to, to Dick Williams. <laughs> yeah. Bill, would would you say that like, would guys generally speaking go up and I mean, are they looking first pitch fastball? Are some guys looking first pitch fastball and then adjusting? Or I'm sure it's different for all these different dudes. But um, and then once you get two strikes, you battle, right? That's back in that day. You yeah. Did. yeah, yeah. Some guy, I mean, you know, Reggie Jackson would take hit, but we we learned to give in. You know, you can't with two strikes. Don't be guessing. You know, you can. I don't call it guessing. I call it calculated anticipation. Hmm, sure. You know, and, and because of the fact that you go up there pretty often and stuff, and you got to know this guy and that. So you, sometimes you get them in a position where the calculated uh, uh, anticipation goes up two and up, three and one, okay, and, and just according to the count. 
But what I did when they switch it, when they made me switch it, because they saw me messing around in practice, because uh, uh, when, when we were kids, if Mickey Mantle was up and my brother's right hand, I got a bat left-handed. And uh, uh, if it was Steve Carlton, I don't even know. I You, know, you had to bat the way that lineup batted bat in that. And I was a decent athlete, and they saw me, and I hit a couple out of the park. Uh, uh, and and uh, uh, my league scout told uh, DeRocha, the kid may be a good leadoff man, switch it. Now, and I'm blind in the eye. I got hit in the eye when I was 18. And getting there, I, I got blind eye. But now Hold they took me. Bill, you have a block. You... I didn't know that. You have a blind? You're blind in one eye? Yeah. Wow. I never knew that. I That's... never told them. Through your never through told your... anybody in baseball. All the way through your career. Yeah. Incredible. Was... Yeah. yeah. But uh, uh, now they took me where I was this uh, uh, left right-handed hitter who hit, uh, I'll get you 50 a year, maybe 20, uh, uh, and put me on the left side. They took my blind eye from behind me and put it out in front of me. <laughs> and you bat three and a half times left-handed to every one time right-handed. And that's, that's, and I took, but you know what? All in all, I mean, that's an interest story, but all in all, hey, man. You want it bad enough, you do it. <laughs> Bill, were, Bill, were there any other major league baseball players in history that played with with one blind eye? Billy uh, Bob, uh, what's his name? Canigliaro. Tony Canigliaro got hit in the eye. Why? Uh, as he was uh, uh, with Boston, and I imagine he had the same injury I had. Uh, uh, and so uh, I got hit in the eye with a baseball. Uh, when I was in Canada when I was 18. I was leading off second base. I could still see that ball right. I was leading off second base. And I went back to the base because the pitcher made a motion. I looked up, and there was a baseball. And it hit me right. Uh, Incredible what you did with an 11-year career with being with You know what? I. First 10, I was playing a uh, uh, semi-pro ball there. Uh, uh, First 10 at bats, I never hit a foul ball. When I did come back, they didn't want me to come back and couldn't catch a ball below my waist. But the best thing I had is I had God, my mama, and youth. When you're young, you can, you know, you just say, oh, that's, that doesn't mean anything. And, you know, that's why I never talked about it in baseball. You know, because as soon as you went in the slump, you, be, you can't see, you know. I learned to walk. Incredible. Incredible. Yeah, I, knew, I knew I couldn't hear the inside pitch, so I knew the inside part of the plate real well. And pitchers can't pitch inside. They're giving themselves because they'll miss the 2 and 0, oh, and then now they got to come back over the plate. And that. And I walk 90 times a year. And, and that's what did. Bill, um, I want to ask something curious about Paul Schneider again, 
Sports Untold 103rd edition with with Ben Coyne as my co-host. Um, Bill, we've talked over the years. I've never asked you this. What's your take on the Hall of Fame candidacies of some of these guys linked to steroids, since such as Bonds and Clemens? Do you take an approach that any steroids linked, they shouldn't be in, or are you case-by-case case on it with a bunch of these guys that are considered controversial Hall of Fame candidates? What's the Bill North take on, on that uh, issue? Well, I, I learned about steroids. As a matter of fact, I, I had a period after I got hurt right before the World Series in 73 where I tore up my ankle. I rehabbed all winter in San, in, in uh, Phoenix at, with the guy. This guy, his name was John Cole, and he was an international heavyweight, I mean, heavy weight lifting champion of the world. And they put me on a cycle. It lasted two weeks. I went from 187 to 198 and felt like I could lift a bull spike. But I was too dumb to think baseball strong. And, I mean, the, at these pills, you know, because that's not the way we thought back then. But I'll tell you this much. This could get to be a deep story, but I'll tell you, there's there are some people, it doesn't help their acuity. It just helps their strength and their rehealing, you know, and, and they can train all year. They get stronger than everybody else. But uh, steroids didn't make... Uh, uh, Barry Bonds, the hitter he was. It just gave him distance. Okay. And, and I started wondering about that when I was in the Oakland Coliseum one time after my career. And I watched Jose Canseco. Now, I know that ballpark. He hit a foul ball down the left field line. It hit the face mezzanine as a foul ball and came off and it wasn't how far it went it was how quick it got and and because you know, I'm a baseball player and I got all of these hidden uh, uh, things in my mind and you know when I'm in center field I got to look and see, get that much of where a guy hit the ball on the back to know where to go, you know, and standing 320 feet away. That ball got there too quick. And then one time I seen Daryl Strawberry hit him, and I'm not saying that any of these guys did, but when I, in, in, uh, uh, at Pitch, in Pittsburgh, he was going up in the deck where only Willie Stargell had been in batting practice with batting practice ball. This is wrong, <laughs> you know, but uh, as far as they go, I I don't think, I think it uh, uh, requires some analysis, but I don't think that uh, uh, even though I, uh, uh, he, not a big fan of him. I think Roger Clemens would have been there. I think uh, Barry Bonds would have been there. 
I'm I'm wary about McGuire. I'm wary about uh, uh, what Conseco did. I, I, you know, them guys when you, there when it became a period there, where you see guys, what was his name? Brady Anderson. Yeah, fifty homers one year. Yeah, yeah, and he'd only hit fifteen or sixteen his whole life. <laughs> I mean, proceeded. Uh, that I think uh, that doesn't deserve no uh, no uh, uh, notoriety. Uh, uh, but you know, I don't mean to be talking bad. They had a, a study in uh, uh, the late nineties. Jim Bowden did. He asked for fish ball four. He asked professional players in four sports. If you could take a pill that make could make you one of the elite in your game, but it would take 15 to 16 years off of your life, 70% said, yeah. I'm glad I didn't have that quandary. You know, because you don't like to get beat. If you see somebody else doing something that's beating you, there's a problem. <laughs> there, I, I think at a time there was a uh, 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 pretty high percentage of them that were taken. You know, it was more than 10%. You can bet on that. Mm-hmm. So you're case by case, this whole steroid thing. Look at the player individually and go from there. Yeah. You know, what was he doing before and that? And you, it, it, and I believe you also get uh, uh, there's that there's a, a, a distance and and uh, 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 when you're in bat when you're in spring training and you got a coach on you batting practice and you're hitting balls juice balls to places that you only went once in a while gives you a mentality that was manifested in Barry Bonds. I never saw a player get locked in. in. When When we talk about getting locked in, I used to get locked in for maybe a week or two and, and, you know, stolen bases, catches, and Hitting in that—that's when you're on the when you, Don Baylor used to be one. That's why they call him Groove, because when he got hot, he'd go 22 for 25, <laughs> you know, and that. But you could get locked in, but I never, ever saw a player locked in for three, four years, and that was Barnes. I think. If you check the 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 stats in a four or five year period, I bet you a dollar to a dime. There was no major league player that played every day that swung the bat less than Barry Bonds. That that was probably his most impressive thing was how disciplined he was he would not he would get one pitch a game maybe to, to possibly hit and he didn't swing at anything bad yeah let me tell you something 
as a hitter in mentality, what you do is if they're not pitching to you, you want to drive the ball, okay? And they're not pitching to you, they walked in with the bases loaded. Yeah. Okay. And and you get answered. And what you do is you start normal beat. You start to expand the strength zone. Okay? And that's when you start getting in trouble. He never did. I, I'll tell you but this much. He, I never saw him fooled in that period. Yeah. But he was a great hitter anyway. You ask me, the two greatest hitters I ever saw, Ted Williams, because I used to watch him on TV playing the Yankees in the old days, and read his book. And, uh, uh, you know, it was like a little kitty book. Uh, uh, and Mickey Mantle, too. But, and Barry Bonds. Barry Bonds. Great players. Great players. Ben, get another question in. Yeah, I'd love to. Um, well, I was always, Bill, I'm always curious, what are some ways that teams steal signs or, you know, and also not necessarily steal signs, and I think when you're part of a baseball player, that's part of the game. I'm not talking the Houston buzzer fiasco. I'm, I'm, I'm talking about just good old-fashioned, hey, trying to read indicators and pick up signs, and you're a base stealer. That was probably a piece of your game, right? Well, all I try to do is get be off the base before you put down the signal and peak. Okay. Uh, uh, some guys have that mentality. Some guy is usually a guy sitting on the bench. Okay, you're the regular player, but if if you found out that this guy was tip, tipping pitches, everybody's gonna go. Okay, but as far as well, what's something like a tipping pit? Like, is it just a, a small move of the glove, or what is that? He does, when he comes to first base, he bends. His, I mean, as a base stealer, you know, for me. But somebody can sit there and pick up. He taps his foot three times on the mound when he throws a curveball, or he taps his foot two times if it's a fastball. Uh, he comes from a different angle. Uh, uh, he, he, he's always going to throw you this uh, uh, within the first two, three pitches. Uh, oh, there's so many things. His glove. He holds his glove this high when he's going to throw a fastball. And he holds it this high when he's going to throw a curve. He's, he's on this part of the rubber where he's throwing one pitch. And he's on. he moves to another part of the rubber when he throws another pitch. Uh, uh, I mean, just a myriad of things, yeah. you know? And, and uh, uh, but I didn't like that because one time, guy was tipping pitches and somebody told me, watch for this. It'll be a fast one. Now watch for it. And when it came up there, he did it. Came up there was a curveball. And you know what? Hitters don't like that right there. Would put that ounce of uh, 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 wary, yeah. wary about that whole thing. And that right there is enough. 
you know, and, and you know, as far and unless somebody, you know, I had my things that I used to, all over, but you know, you move, uh, uh, you move, you sit and fill. I played with two of the best left fielders in the game. In my period, Dusty Baker and Joe Rudy. And and when I got traded to the Dodgers, I'm playing center field, Baker's in left field, and the guy had gone uh, uh, 2-0. And I looked up at Baker looking at me as we're moving uh, uh, to uh, another spot because this guy is going to get a better swing and all that when you when he and he's aggressive and he said Billy he's the first outfielder I uh, uh, play the count and you know hey you you play the count now they don't care you know it's a machine now center fielder ran the outfield okay and or or and if he doesn't somebody's gonna get hurt what's your What's your opinion of all this shift stuff that's going on now? Are you, it's like, is that just part of the game or is it bugging? You? Yeah. As somebody from 2000 on back, whether they like to go to baseball games anymore, baseball is not the same game. Yeah. And that's part of it. Yeah. Boy, you talk about instant replay? <laughs> I might have had it because there was a whole bunch of times I didn't touch that base as I was as the throw went through and I'm going through popping up and that. Oh, and now they got a tag on you. That, come on, man. I'm yeah. breaking it down to this. But oh, he got him by an inch right here. Oh, man. That was really. <laughs> yeah. I totally agree. I'm just such a fan of the. You know, there's a human element to the umpire and missing calls and, you know, and sure. it's just part of the history of the game. And Baseball, for player, they're taking the talent out of the game because they're playing all these percentages. They're shifting. They're doing that. Fans are getting bored. But I know baseball players don't like it. Uh, you know, the computer came along at the end of my career, if it did that. But other than that, I ran an outfield. Way more time. I used to tell them if I catch the ball on the foul, if I call the ball on the foul line, get off of it. <laughs> you don't like the shift, then, Bill. Um, Paul Schneider no. on Sports Untold with Bill North and uh, Ben Coyne is my co-host today. Bill, I want to ask you two questions. I've been asking guests for a couple of years now. Who's a deceased sports person history you've loved to have chatted with or had a conversation with? And who's a living sports figure you'd love to have a chat or interview with? Well, as far as deceased person? Yeah. But, uh, uh, I, and I have, I have chatted with him, rest his soul. Buck O'Neill was a great storyteller. Wow. And he was my coach. When I was with the Cubs, and when I get and I used to get in trouble in the minor leagues because there was a lot of racism, and most of the coaches were Southern whites, uh, uh, ball players who couldn't play, and and 
they did stuff to those young young black players uh, uh, that was that were real that were was real rude. But when they work away around to me, it's a good thing I could play because <laughs> I didn't hold my tongue. And that and what they would do is they would send Buck O'Neill down to talk to. Billy, what'd you do this time? <laughs> what a great man. What a great man. He probably had a lot of funny. wisdom, Buck O'Neill. Oh, hey, man. Well, yeah, yeah. And he was one of the greatest ambassadors for baseball during the Negro, Negro Leagues and after, till he passed away. This guy loved the game and, and he was a extremely uh, 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 likable speaker. Uh, I, was, I wanted to say pernicious, but I don't know what that means. Uh, 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 <laughs> but uh, uh, he was just, he's a Negro. And he told stories about Satchel Page and Josh Gibson and all those guys. And when I, I left the game, having to sit at his knee and another guy named Lou Klein, who was uh, uh, my winter league coach with the Cubs, he was a Cajun Jew. And, and he was one of the players in the late 40s and the early 50s that jumped American baseball into Mexico. And he could tell stories. And, and just, I'd love to talk to him all again. And if Jesus was a center fielder, I'd like to get some tips from him too. For sure. Now, <laughs> uh, 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 now, I stay with Baker. Dusty. Yeah. So of all the living sports figures, Dusty Baker would be the guy you'd love to have a sit down with, even though you know him real well. Love it. Love it. Yeah. yeah. And nobody had mentioned Buck O'Neill and Dusty Baker as a deceased and living sports figure that I'd chat with. So, I, Bill, I appreciate your contribution to those uh, two questions. Your answers are great. Ben, get a question in. Yeah, it's just a little side note. I have a Buck O'Neill autograph. I there's a sports card shop nearby me, and um, I pure I go. Paul and I used to go to the card shops growing up all the time, and I still go to one nearby out here in Renton where I live. And there was a Buck O'Neill autograph as authenticated. I go, I gotta have that because I remember his incredible stories during the um, was that documentary? I think it was a Ken Burns documentary. Ken Burns. That's where I first yeah. Yeah, it's really, really good stuff. Wonderful, man. Yeah. Wonderful. Man. Yeah. Historic figure. Um, I, Mike, I always love to hear, tell me about your first hit in the big leagues, Bill. <laughs> <laughs> Don Shaw, left-hander, St. Louis Cardinals, a dribbler down the third <laughs> baseline, and I beat it out. The hit's a hit, baby. <laughs> oh, Looking like a line driver in the scoreboard. It ain't how you hit it; it's where you hit it. <laughs> was it? Was it? Were you in the starting lineup? This was probably the September call-up, yeah. Yeah, something like yeah. that. Yeah, awesome. That's funny. Just yeah. a little dribbler, but it's a line drive, right? <laughs> I'll t- yeah, I, I, for a hit, you sell your dough. <laughs> <laughs> you had some speed too, Bill. You're a stolen base, uh, stolen base leader. 
Uh, Bill, who, you, we talked off the air about Charlie Finley for a minute. Who was the favorite owner you played under? Was there an owner you played under that was better than a couple of the others, maybe? <laughs> Bob Lurie. Who was that? Bob Lurie. San Francisco. You know him. He owned the Giants back then. Wonderful man. Kind man. Good man. Yeah. I didn't know too much of the other one. Charlie. Charlie. Charlie was Charlie. <laughs> uh, uh, but then you had the O'Malley's and, and that's pretty much it. You know, it, it was in Wrigley Field, it was rumored because uh, uh, Mr. Wrigley used to come to the ballpark but he'd be disguised and he'd be in the stands and that because he wanted to see how things were run. I never met him. I think the only ones I know that did were uh, black ball players with Billy Williams and, and Ferguson Jenkins and Ernie. You know? Interesting. We talked about the labor struggle. You, you definitely had uh, with Marvin Miller as your union advocate. We talked about that a couple, I think the last interview you were on. Yeah. Uh, that was, uh, I was right in the middle of that too. And, and one night we were playing in New Orleans, getting ready to go north. 12 o'clock that night, baseball went on strike. First strike ever. And Marvin Miller, excuse me, had been hired by uh, from the National Labor Relations Board the, uh, it was around 69, 70 I think okay and it, it had it was right in that Kurt Flood thing. Uh, uh, and Marvin Marvin was a brilliant man he's a brilliant man but when Marvin came to town when you're in spring training he'd go visit all the teams when he came to town, you knew the, your licensing check was coming, so you loved him. You know, now it's now it's something like two hundred thousand dollars. You know, and uh, uh, but yeah, it was it was uh, uh, Kurt Flood, Kurt Flood, and Marvin Miller. They were hand in hand, and and. He's the one that did that, that broke away, broke free agency. I mean, broke uh, uh, the reserve clause. And, and it's a good man. Uh, Marvin, though, Marvin was a hero to the players. Marvin called a strike, which he did. 100% in that first strike. If he called another, he called, we have one in 81. And one player, I think he was from Kansas City, his name Jerry Terrell. He uh, uh, wouldn't strike because his, uh, of his interpretation of uh, a spiritual uh, uh, verse in the Bible, which I'll grab him, you know. And, but that's the problem that whenever baseball had turmoil, 
back in those days, the players always won. And Congress would tell them, don't you bring that stuff up here. Because baseball had the perk of uh, uh, the Sherman of uh, uh, not being uh, uh, covered under the Sherman Antitrust rules as a monopoly. And, and, and whenever they went, that legal thing and that kind of thing, don't, don't work, don't bring that stuff in here. Congress, you know, hey man, we don't want to be put on the spot of having to shut that thing down. And, hey man, but, and, and, you know, it, it, there's meetings and stuff held behind closed doors that said, with, with those guys when they get it, we'll, let's see what happens this next year because that uh, the agreement's coming up. And Marvin uh, Miller finally got in the Hall of Fame, guys, after he passed. He got in a couple years after he passed. Finally got in. Yeah. Bill, can Ben get another question or two in? Are you okay with another question or two? Ben, where you been? <laughs> I was just listening, man. <laughs> just enjoying well, I have, I have two. It's much lighter ones, but I always love to hear about the first. Tell us about your first homer and your first stolen base. About stolen base, I was in all the time. My first homer was against a guy named Rudy May, and in Anaheim, went to right, batting right-handed, went to right center field. And I hit him for my career. I hit him. I it, I knew everything he was going to say. I wore. He walked me five times in the day. <laughs> and and when I did did get a hit, uh, uh uh when I did swing it, I hit a line drive at the third base real hard. And, but yeah, yeah. stolen base. Hell, when I was probably pinch running in 71. <laughs> okay. Not one that jumps out at you. It's just one of about 500, right? You know which one jumps out at me? In 1976, bicentennial year, I stole 75 bases. Oh. I could have had 76, 76 stolen bases for... Uh, uh, this bicentennial year. But what happened was the guy, when I came in and I had it stolen already, the umpire had called me safe, uh, had called me out no, uh, one way or the other, and he changed his call. And, uh, yeah. From calling me safe, he called me out. And then the ball was on the ground. And he called me safe. Well, that's not a stolen base. That's an error. Uh, and you know what I'm saying? Well, I had 76 and 76. <laughs> yeah. Great. Great. Well, Bill, a lot of fun. Uh, ben, do you want to get one more in if Bill's up for it? You have a you have a, something else you want to get in? Well, I just thought it's so funny, Bill, that you you uh, earlier in the conversation, you let off with a with a um, a Bob Gibson story, because that was like the second or third uh, 
question I wrote down earlier in the week is like, have you, what was it like facing Bob Gibson or Drysdale or some of these just beasts out there that are just monk, you know, intimidating guys. Um, I don't know. Can you speak to that a little bit? I know you talked about it. Great with, question. With grips with Gibson, but probably pretty intimidating. Yeah, man. I'll tell you something. There's some guys that could pitch, but most of them, the ones that I adored were the ones on my team. I had three pitchers out there that could get you out in an hour 45 or two hours. Catfish Honey by the Blue and Kenny Holtzman, they didn't mess around, you know. But Catfish Hunter, uh, uh, Raleigh Fingers, uh, there's some guys, uh, uh, but playing against those guys, it's the kind of thing that these guys got records, man. And how they went about getting their records, Gaylord Perry, Juan Marichal, uh, uh, oh, man. I never faced Kofak. Yeah, I did. I faced him one time in the old timers game, <laughs> and I hit a I hit a line drive for the first strike, and then he took over. Oh, it's an old timers game, and then he threw me that same pitch, but he cut it, <laughs> <laughs> and he jammed me, and I beat it out to first base anyway because I could run faster than most guys. But but Phil uh, uh, Negro. I never got a hit off of him, I thought. And so we were playing another one of those Legends games, and I got a base hit off of I got the ball, and I brought it to him after the game, and I had him sign. And because and, that was the only hit. And then I saw him again, and he said, you got one hit off of <laughs> You knew. While he knew. I was playing. <laughs> you ask me who the toughest pitcher I ever faced was, there you go. <laughs> Bill, how do you compare real quickly some of these pitchers you mentioned, these legendary pitchers like Gibson, Drysdale, how do you compare them to today's pitchers like Verlander or Grinke? Do you, I, don't. Don't. You Different don't. leagues. Well, Catfish Hunter complete 24 games a year. They don't have 24 complete, complete games throughout the league in a year. Right. Raleigh Fingers, closer, coming in the seventh inning. He had a hundred over a hundred innings pitch as a closer. I don't know what happened. But these guys, hey man, I seen Catfish Hunter go one time. We were going to Texas, and they were four or five games behind, and we had already told them that they go. Be watching us on TV in October, <laughs> and that. But they were building it up in Texas, uh, in Dallas, uh, uh, at Arlington State. During the game, Catfish Turner pitched the first game. We won three to nothing. During that game, Catfish Hunter threw twenty-seven straight strikes. Wow. That's impressive. And you never even knew it. It was like a ballet. Yeah. 
27 straight strikes. Yeah. Hey, man. Gaylord Perry. Those guys, and you know, you look at, for a base dealer like me, those guys, Gaylord Perry, Juan Marichal, Louis Tion, you know, the guys with them big kicks and all of that stuff like that, you know what? Couldn't steal off them. Bill, I got a question from the audience about Doc Ellis. Any thoughts on Doc Ellis? That was one of the nine uh, players in Pittsburgh, 71, when there were nine black players on the field. He was a No, I'm not going there, Paul. <laughs> Just especially audience, especially audience. I'm not going okay, there. All right, all right. I, I, I kind of, I sort of edited the que- the the question a little bit too. So, yeah. Well, a let lot me tell of, you guys yeah. something. Okay, excuse me. But you're interviewing me anyway. So, uh, 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 I'm going to Puerto Rico in about a week because we're going to dedicate a field for one of my teammates in his hometown in Puerto Rico. His name was Angel Mangual. I don't know whether you guys knew him or not, but but Vida will be there and. Uh, uh, a bunch of guys. Uh, he was he called him Cookie, Cookie, and uh, just a wonderful person. It's such an uh, uh, honor to be asked to go and do that. But you guys look up Angel Mangua. He, he he's a friend of mine. Great. We'll have a great time in Puerto Rico, Bill. Well, just a lot of fun. Thanks so much for doing this, Bill. It's always fun to see you and chat with you, Ben. Thank you for co-hosting you. It's just a great Q&A back and forth. It's, this is definitely a baseball junkies uh, hour. And uh, really appreciate coming, <laughs> coming back on, Bill. And I'll see you soon, I'm sure, at the center of the universe in Leshy again. So, Yeah. All right, Ben. Thank you so much. You're very kind. Thank you. Great to meet oh, you, Bill. You know, I appreciate you anytime. opening up and letting us know. Thank you. Appreciate it. Anytime. Call me anytime. Thanks, Bill. See you soon. You stay safe. See you at the blue line. Love you guys. Take care. Thanks, Bill. You too. Thanks a lot. Thanks.